having an open and honest conversation. If it's somebody that you're close with being like, Hey, listen, I know that you just had a baby. I'm not sure how to be here for you. I'm not sure, you know, every time I ask you to hang out, you say no. And that person's probably like, dude, I feel like my nipples are going to fall off. I don't sleep. I would love to come out and meet up with you, but I haven't taken a shower in three days. And like... Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 56 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Today, we have an incredible guest and a super interesting conversation. Plus, you might also get to see a side of me that maybe you haven't seen before, and that's me being utterly terrified of something, probably equally terrified and fascinated, and that thing is pregnancy slash motherhood. Now, I know that so many women feel like being a mom is like very much a calling of theirs and comes naturally to them. But I also know that there are a lot of women who are like full body. No, I'm not doing that. And there are also a lot of women who are like me and think like maybe someday, but definitely right now. And I really cannot even like fathom that for me right now. So no matter where you are, regardless of what category you fall into, you are going to get so much out of this episode because we have Liz Presto with us today and she is a birth doula who specializes in helping women feel prepared and empowered in pregnancy and in birth itself. So as women, I think that this stuff is so important to talk about because whether you decide you want to have seven kids or zero, you should be able to make an informed and empowered decision about it, right? So we talked all about that stuff. We also talked about societal pressures we feel as women, our personal struggles with body image and self-worth. And I truly feel like this conversation, every woman who listens will find our, our discussion relatable and healing in some way, or at least that is my hope. And I'm pretty confident that that is going to happen for you. A little bit more about our guest before we dive in. You might remember her as Liz Sandoz. She's now Liz Presta, but she was actually on season 21 of The Bachelor. So you might know her from there, but she is now newly married and making a difference in women's lives all over the world as a birth doula, life coach, and podcast host. She is super cool. She has so many incredible life experiences to share with us, including overcoming an eating disorder, traveling the world solo, which is so freaking brave, becoming a life coach, being on The Bachelor, and so much more. And whether pregnancy is in your plans for the future or not, this episode will give you some amazing new perspectives and insights into womanhood. This episode is brought to you by my group mentorship program, the Move, Nourish, Shine Collective. MNS is my signature program and it is the very first of its kind that not only gives you fitness and nutrition guidance, but also addresses the mindset piece for a synergistic total person transformation. So unlike cookie cutter plans and traditional coaching, 
coaching models. We give you all of the tools, guidance, and support you need to shift and transform inside and out. And we are actually opening enrollment again within a few short weeks. And our waitlist, our lucky waitlist ladies, will get first dibs on spots and some really amazing bonuses. So if you've been wanting to work with me and you're craving a transformation and you're ready to shine as the confident, healthy woman you are meant to be, go to movenourishshine.com to join the waitlist and learn more about this program. Again, that's movenourishshine.com and you can click any of the teal waitlist buttons to be the first to know when we open our doors. Last but not least, before we get into the episode, let's show some love to the review of the week. This week, I want to shout out Mariah, aka Raya Lifts, who said simply perfection five stars. Marie, your calm, positive, and vibrant voice. Thank you. I really appreciate all the voice compliments, guys. Like I've I've never gotten so many voice compliments in my life. Marie, your calm, positive, and vibrant voice helps to get through my long drives to work, cardio sessions, and cooking dinner. You provide me with so many awesome golden nuggets of inspiration that I immediately pause the podcast and write down in the notes section of my iPhone. I think that's genius. I journal these or reread during my hard days and weeks when I'm feeling unmotivated. The Grind to Be Grateful podcast has a variety of guests to inspire and provide thought-provoking material. This content is so relatable to any woman out there looking to improve any part of their life. I highly recommend. Marie is beautiful inside and out, and as a fellow Minnesota gal, she is relatable on so many different levels. Keep doing you. We love you and the Grind and Be Grateful team. Heart, heart, heart. Thank you so, so much, Mariah. Seriously, thank you to the freaking moon and back for your kindness and support. My team and I are super grateful that you took a minute to show us some love. And I also have to say that I'm obsessed with the fact that you have a notes tab just for golden nuggets that you hear on the show. I think that's incredible and really, really cool. So we would love to send you a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt as a thank you for leaving us a rating and a review. It really helps the show. It helps us grow. It helps us get into new ears and touch new lives. So we super appreciate it and want to thank you with a shirt. So go ahead and DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold with your address and shirt size and we'll get that sent out to you. But if you're listening and you are not Mariah and you want a chance to be featured as the review of the week and get your very own shirt, then just head over to the ratings and review section for the show on either iTunes on your computer or the Apple podcast app on your iPhone. You just find the ratings and review section, leave us five stars and some feedback. We read every single one of them and it really only takes a minute to make my day and my team's day and we appreciate it so, so much. Again, it helps new people find the show and it helps us grow. It helps us get cooler and cooler guests and it just really supports our mission to touch millions of lives of women all around the world. Hello, Liz. Thank you so much for coming to visit me. Yes. You're my first in-person guest. Really? Yeah, oh, that's actually. so exciting. Yeah, it's cool to have someone be face-to-face, and I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm super excited to yeah. be here. Yeah, guys, Liz is awesome, and before we get into her story and all the insights she has to share with us, um, let's just do like a few ra- rapid-fire like fun questions mm-hmm. to warm up. Cool. So, number one, what do you think of Austin? Um, I would love to be able to explore it more. Yeah. So I haven't done too much here. This is my second time in Austin. 
Um, I went downtown, the Capitol's beautiful, the people are friendly, and I love food and music. So oh, I know, right, I need to come back and actually spend more time. But yeah. I've heard nothing but amazing things about Austin. Yeah, Austin's super fun. It is a little warm right now. Yes. I don't know what the feels like temperature is today, but it's probably somewhere around like 105. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little warm. Uh, what is your go-to Starbucks order if you go there? None. No so Starbucks. I'm a... I don't really like coffee out. Okay. Um, I'm a drink coffee at home with like one pack of stevia. Okay. And then just Folgers. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're very simple. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe a little bit of coconut cream, but, and if I do drink coffee out, my husband thinks it's disgusting, but I like gas station coffee. I mean, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Just the frou-frou coffee. It's too much for me. Yeah. Okay. I I can respect that. I have like the opposite. Like we, we do like pour over in our Chemex with like, you know, like boutique roasteries and stuff. Yeah. So that, that's, that's my coffee perspective, (laughs) but I can respect that. You know, we can agree to disagree. (laughs) Do you have any funny or embarrassing nicknames? Um, well, So my cousins used to torture me when I was a kid and, um, I grew up with five boy cousins down the street from me and they would just do anything they could to make me mad. And so, um, my name's Elizabeth, but instead of Elizabeth, they'd call me lizard breath (laughs) and I would get so mad. That's such a little boy thing. (laughs) I know. They'd be like lizard breath. I'd be like, no. (laughs) Other than that, not really. I mean, I get Lizzie, lizard, Liz. I think that's it. Funny. Okay, cool. What is your go-to strategy when you're not feeling your best or your most confident? Um, you know, I think when I'm not feeling my best or my most confident, I've done a lot of self-work. So it's just reminding myself. I'm like, even if I'm feeling insecure about a certain part of my body or a certain part of my life, I literally am just like, you know what? You've done so much and you are such a badass and you are sexy AF. Yeah. So that's just what I always tell myself. I'm like, maybe I'm not feeling good about this right now, but I am sexy. Yeah. I am really sexy, you know, and I'll just own it. Yeah. So even if you're like totally feeling your most unsexy, Mm -hmm. like you just fake it till you make it. Yeah. Well, and then I'm just like, you know what? My husband would never kick me out of bed, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He's always like, damn girl. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) I swear sometimes my boyfriend's like, you look really pretty right now. And I'll be like hair in a knot wearing like his ratty college sweatpants like right. it's yeah so you know we we are so hard on ourselves but yeah. I love that and so I, and I also tell myself that I'm like I wouldn't kick me out of bed right yeah you know and we don't judge our significant <laughs> others that way either so no yeah we're our own worst critics but yes. um it's super fun to be sitting here across from you guys my cat is literally like harassing her right now <laughs> to pet him um and some of our guests will probably recognize you from the bachelor mm-hmm. but let's start from the beginning like tell us all about you your kind of like your origin story and how you got to where you are now yeah so well i'm from a super small town in nebraska um well, I was born in wyoming we moved to nebraska when i was one and a half and then i'm from a town of 800 people Um, I went to school in a larger town, like 15 minutes away. Um, but yeah, I went to a private school, kindergarten to eighth grade. I was always super into the arts, Mm -hmm. very theatrical. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be an actress when I grew up and my mom's a musical theater teacher. Cool. So, um, always grew up in the arts. Um, I did some sports, but I was never really, I didn't get competitive until like my Mm twenties. Um, but 
I, I just enjoyed sports casually, but I just always really also had a passion for people. So I went on my first missions trip at 16 years old and uh, I went to Peru and that's really where I just knew I wanted to travel mm, and mm-hmm. experience other cultures. Cause coming where I lived, there wasn't a lot of diversity. Yeah. Um, it was a huge immigrant town. So my high school was like half Latin, half white basically. Mm-hmm. But um, I just always wanted to learn about other cultures. And in high school I took an anthropology course and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wanna experience this in real life. I wanna travel places. Um, but also I'm, I'm the youngest of four. So at a young age, I just, I don't know, I was always a really good kid. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt maybe that I got overlooked and, um, you didn't cause any problems. So you weren't the center of attention. Right. And I almost even got like made fun of for being a good kid. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, Liz is so sensitive. She, I'd cry if I saw roadkill. I felt (laughs) so bad for that animal, like so deeply. So I just, I, I don't know. I think that somehow in there I felt started to like overcompensate for my compassion kind of start to become hard, you know? And, Mm -hmm. but, um, I also got made fun of cause I was so scrawny. They'd call me knobby knees and then I hit puberty and it's like all of a sudden I have hips and I have a butt. And that's yeah. like when I started struggling with an eating disorder at a mm. super young age, I was 13 and, um, like kept it a secret until my senior year of high school, uh, my boyfriend and my best friend kind of found out and sat me down and talked to me and it, it wasn't that bad yet, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, But then I I went away to college, not college, I did a a missions program when I was 19. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, I mean, that's when Hurricane Katrina hit. So I went and helped out with that. I worked at an orphanage in Mexico. I started doing motivational speaking in high schools. And I talked about eating disorders and it was really, really a cool experience. But that's also when my eating disorder started to amplify. Mm. So I feel like, a huge part of my early twenties was dealing and overcoming that Mm -hmm. along with doing some traveling. So then I took my first solo trip when I was 22 and I had moved to Vegas when I was 19. My sister moved there. My parents moved there. Um, and I still did a little bit of acting stuff in high school. I was in musical theater and show choir. I did all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember I was, I remember a director telling me, that I needed to lose 10 pounds. Oh gosh. And I probably weighed like 122 pounds. Goodness. I'm like, I've never. And you're not five feet tall. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, I've never, even at my smallest, once I was like full grown, I'd never weighed that. Yeah. The least of that. Yeah. You know, so just being told like little things like that. Especially when you're already in a very like delicate, delicate right. headspace already about your body image and stuff that right. that just one comment can really just right. spiral. Well, when I was 19 and I had left home um, or 18 and I did that missions program, I gained tons of weight that year. Mm. Um, I gained like 40, my weight fluctuated 40 pounds within mm. a year. And so then it took me a long time to get some of that off because I was trying to do it healthy. Yeah. But then that's kind of when the eating disorder like kicked back in really strong. Mm. And um, so I think my 20, my early 20s, it was constant, me constantly trying to go travel 
to get away from myself Mm. being like, if I get out of here, then all my problems will be fine. Yeah. You know, and then I'd come home and I'm like, Oh, they're still here. (laughs) They (laughs) were just waiting for me back home. Right. And I was in a toxic relationship uh, for a few years. And then I kind of jumped relationship to relationship from 19 to 26. Mm -hmm. So the last relationship wasn't toxic, but I just really lost who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's also when I really started to seek help for my eating disorder. And once we broke up, I took a huge trip. Um, I quit my job. I booked a one-way trip ticket to Africa and just left for five months. And I went to like 11 countries. And I thought that that would solve my problems. Mm -hmm. And although I had really cool experiences because I did like couch surfing and I wanted to experience the cultures. I didn't really do a lot of tourist stuff. I did a lot of crazy things like hitchhiking (laughs) and things I would pray my daughter never does. But um, it really followed me. Mm. Like I struggled with it there. Like it was, and it was really, really hard. Um, And, you know, again, I was struggling then with my weight and I'm in these beautiful, beautiful places just being like, okay, God, why can't I feel you? Why am I numb? Why am I still struggling with this? I'm searching. I'm seeking so hard for Mm -hmm. healing in my life. Like how come I'm like on the countryside in South Africa, looking at the stars, wanting to go throw up, you Mm -hmm. know? So it was, it wasn't until the next year I took a job um, at a safari lodge in Tanzania for six months. And that's like where I really found healing because a girlfriend went with me, but then she left early. So I was by myself for two months and there I was so isolated Mm. that I think that in solitude, that's when you can hear like things speaking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, I wasn't connected. You know, it's like I had dial up internet. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's so many ways to numb out that if you're, if you're not seeking or if you're not seeking stillness like you can just escape anything at any time right yeah yeah absolutely so it really forced me to to do a lot of work and um I just remember I would like pray every night for healing and one day like I was so frustrated because during you know I had gone to psychologists and I had worked with counselors for eating disorders and every single person told me you're going to struggle with this the rest of your life. Mm. And I refuse to believe that. Yeah. And that's so heavy. Right. It's like, how, how can you tell me that? You know? And I, I understand, you know, people say like when you have an addiction, you're addicted forever, even if you're not like you are an addict, even if you're recovered. Right. Yeah. And, um, I just didn't want to take that answer. So, um, I remember one morning I woke up and I just had this like overwhelming peace that I was healed. And, Mm. and I called my dad and he, he was like, I was just talking to a coworker about you. And I just like got this message like that you're healed. Wow. And I like started bawling. I have chills right now. (laughs) Yeah. It was just so, so cool. And it wasn't that I never like did it again, but that was like the true turnover to Mm. like, you know, and now it's been four years and, and it's not even a thought in my mind. Wow. You know, that's amazing. But that journey was really hard because then I came back home. I went through the life coaching program, which forced me to dig deeper and Mm -hmm. um, uncover a lot of lies, I believe, for a long time and start to build new truths with myself. And um, it just, yeah, it was such a good mirror going through that program, Mm -hmm. you know, and almost going through it amplifies everything at first. You're like, oh, wow, I 
my ego is <laughs> so inflated with all these different things and it's like fighting you back on you know the new things that, the new truths that you're trying to build with yourself and overcome but um yeah I just finally got to a place where I felt I was ready to love again and be open and I had met my husband through a mutual friend because he had gone through the same coaching program. Mm -hmm. So we had met, become friends. He was in Chicago. I was in Vegas. So we didn't really date, but I mean, we kind of did. We talked, but he's like, I can't do distance. And then we ended up just kind of being like, all right, well then what are we doing? Yeah. You know, we ended it. And then that's when, when I went on the bachelor and I felt like I was finally like in a place to really have a connection with someone and, and looking for that. And you know, it just, it didn't work out. There was, I had met him before and like kind of connected with him, but I was like, uh, and then they, he had been on paradise and they showed him as a, he had a really good edit. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Oh, maybe he is a really nice guy. So Mm. maybe I'll try it out. Yeah. So I went on the show and there was just nothing there at all, you know, which was fine. That was just on the airplane on the way to re, to do the show, I was bawling. Oh. I felt like I wasn't supposed to go. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm like, maybe you're just scared. Maybe you just need to go. Yeah. But um, that's the hard thing about resistance is you're like, is this telling me like I shouldn't it f- do it? Or is right. this telling me like, this is a, like a challenge because I need to push through it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that was exactly what I journaled about when, <laughs> when I was there. But, um, and I was just super naive because they were using me for a story and the producers were lying and telling me something else. Mm. So when I left, I was ready to leave. I'm like, we don't have a connection. I might as well go home. So I went home and then me and my husband rekindled our relationship. We started dating a few months later and um, dated long distance for six months. Then I moved to Chicago. But during that time, the show started airing Mm -hmm. and the editing was hard because they dubbed words in I never said. Whoa. And they like set up to look like I was having conversations I never had. Whoa. Like I was sitting there talking to a producer once, but then they inserted a girl and made it look like I was telling her certain things and it oh wasn't even about the situation. And yeah. So it was really, really hard because it was showing one it wasn't just who, it wasn't who I was at all. Yeah. They needed me for a drama and for a story oh. and that was it. Yeah. That's so tough. So, Cause you, you sign away like your control over right. anything. Like they so could do it was whatever. just super frustrating because I, I don't know. I just, I, it's hard when your character's being questioned when you know that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. But for me, I had finally gotten to a point where I'm like, I know who I am. Yeah. The people in my life know who I am. And that's really all that matters. Right. Like the opinions of the people that you actually care about. This is a dumb reality show. Like (laughs) whatever, you know? And of course I did get a lot of hateful messages, Uh, but I'm like, these people probably hate themselves. Yeah. It's like, if you are taking that time to go on somebody who you don't even know Mm -hmm. and call them a whore, Mm -hmm. like what's wrong with your life? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, that honestly has nothing to do with me and everything to do with yeah, you. And like, I'll pray for you. <laughs> right. You just get to a place where, I mean, one of the hardest challenges is um, getting to a place where you don't take things personally. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? But through that, I had to learn some of that. So, um, but I made some good friends and um, I'm so close with a couple of the girls from the show. Cool. But it definitely was a weird experience that, 
I would never do again. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, then I, my husband and I, you know, started dating and I had moved to Chicago and a year later, a year after I moved about, we got engaged and then six months later got married. Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's awesome. Yeah. You just, you recently got married, right? Yeah. Um, I got married in February. Oh my goodness. So you're still like newlyweds. Yes. Do you feel like anything changed? Okay. I feel like everyone's like, how's married life? And some people are like, it's the same. And some people are like, everything has changed. My husband says everything's the same. Yeah. And I get mad at him when he says that because I think everything changed. Yeah. So, um, cause we didn't live together before we got married. Okay. And so for, I, th- I feel like it's a big adjustment Yeah. for him. He, he doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I do think a lot of things change. I'm like, what do you mean? We wake up together every day. We go to bed together yeah, every like night. Like the logistics like, of relationships. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Like we're loving it. Cool. And you went to Thailand, right? For your honeymoon? Yes, we uh, did. That's like so high on my list. Yeah. So it's, I've been there. I think that was my fourth time oh, going. Okay. So it's one of my favorite destinations. Yeah. What's your um, country total at this point? 31. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. So as someone who is like as equally fascinated and terrified and probably more terrified than I, than anything about the idea of like growing a human and then going through mm. childbirth and like all of that, I have so many questions about why you chose to be a doula and like just also what a doula is versus a midwife and kind of just break it down for me because yeah. I have, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, sure. So a doula provides continuous emotional and physical support to a woman through so labor and delivery. So that's how the life coach aspect yes, goes in. Got absolutely. It. Yeah. Um, it definitely has helped me in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, doulas do not do anything medical. Okay. Um, we help educate. So, um, we're basically a big resource. So when you're developing a birthing plan or getting ready for your labor, I have tons of resources to to talk to you about because a lot of women don't know their options, mm-hmm. that you have options going into labor. Even if you end up in a C-section, you have options mm. that you can ask for yeah. to help enhance that experience. And being educated on what's going to happen makes it less scary. Yeah, yeah, you know? for it's sure. Like, okay, so if I do end up doing this or if they say this, you know, I'm prepared. Yeah. I know what my body's doing. I know what my baby's doing. All that matters is that we're healthy. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's awesome because you get to help empower women so that when they go into labor, they feel like they have a voice. Yeah. Um, it's really crazy because the United States for high income nations, we have one of the worst maternal health cares. Mm. Um, all the other high income nations over the last 20 years, the maternal death rate has decreased except for in the United States that has increased. Wow. That's so, a lot. Right. And it's cool though, because now insurance is even starting to cover doulas because they're recognizing the need. Yeah. So midwives do the medical things. It's basically mm-hmm. a doctor. Um, they, some of them are, some of some of them have been doctors and then become midwives, um, but it's a different program, a learning process. Midwives do deliver at home, but a lot of midwives also deliver in hospitals and birthing Got centers. It. So they they're the ones who are going to do the vaginal exams. They're going to do everything medical. We do not at all. Yeah. I will never check to see if how dilated you yeah. are or how never. We get taught signs, so it's like by watching you. I can kind of tell where you're at in the labor process Mm. because you go through, it's like, you know, 
first stage, you're, you're more chatty, you're this, whatever, you know? And then as it goes on, once you start turning inward, I can tell by the way your body's moving, your moans, even like some pressure points, like where your baby's at or where you're at in the process. And from that, I can gauge also how to help you, um, with different, we study a lot of different labor positions, techniques, help getting the baby into the right place. Um, if you're having back labor, it's like, okay, let's put pressure points here. Let's do this. Let's try position here. Um, so a lot of different coping Yeah. and a lot of people ask too, they're like, well, if I'm getting an epidural, is there still a need? And I, most of my clients have been epidural births Mm -hmm. and they're like, you have to come to my next one because it's still such an emotional experience. And you don't know at what point you're getting the epidural. A lot of people have bad reactions. Like I had a client who couldn't stand the feeling of it. So I had to constantly just massage her feet Mm. because she's like, they're tingly, they're itchy. I can't, you know, so I just massaged her feet and talked to her and told her she could do it, you know, and there's still such a a role. Yeah. I'm sure that's such a powerful, like. I can't really think of a human experience that's more powerful for women than Mm -hmm. probably giving birth. I can't speak from experience, (laughs) but just from watching a baby story on TLC (laughs) and stuff like that, like, I just feel like it's so powerful. And so to have someone be so supportive and so like on your team has to be one of the biggest like helps that you could ever have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And another thing that a lot of people ask is, what's the role of my partner then if Mm. you're there? But one thing that we really strive to do is to enhance that relationship. Your partner doesn't know necessarily how to help you. So giving them a job. And you can't expect them to know how to help you in such like a in-depth way, right? Right. Like they're not trained to help you in that way. Right. They want to help you, but they don't necessarily know. Right. A lot of times they do feel helpless. So giving them a job being like, Hey, if you, um, squeeze your hips right here, that can help. Or, it's a lot of tag teaming. So like if I'm massaging your back, I'll have the partner in front of you being like, you got this, you can do this or, you know, switching off or even being like, Hey, you need to eat. You need a nap. Yeah. And then we'll You're like the manager of the whole situation. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's very powerful work. I'm super excited that it's something that's being more talked about now. More people are, um, open to it. More people are hiring them. Insurance companies are covering them. So it's a super exciting time and it definitely is very fulfilling work. Yeah. So, I mean, I can tell that you're a very like empathetic person and you really care about like supporting people in their times of need and stuff. So like what exactly drew you to that, that aspect of helping people? Like why being a doula versus being in a different helping role? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. My sister, she had, was not planning on doing a home birth at all, but something happened with her insurance company. They messed up her medical records Mm. and the insurance wouldn't cover her. She said, they said that she had all these like preexisting conditions, these STDs, all these crazy things that she's like, no, I don't. And it took her over a year to get her medical record cleared. So she's pregnant figuring out what she's going to do. (laughs) And she ended up hiring a midwife and, this midwife is in Vegas. I love her. Her name's Marvie. She actually was a doctor in Venezuela. And then she studied birth with the women in the Amazon. Wow. And then when she moved to Vegas, she didn't like the way that they practice birth because Las Vegas is the highest C-section rate in the country. Mm. Wow. So she started her own mid- midwifery practice. And that was the first birth that I saw 11 years ago. My nephew was born. And I started, I was in college. I started, I did a research paper and just started studying all about birth and realizing 
how all these options are being taken away from women. Mm. And it just blew my mind. Yeah. And it's crazy because even in the last five years that I've been a doula, I've seen so many things change in the medical field. That's great. Yeah. And when I first started, we'd ask a lot of women on their birth plan would ask for delayed cord clamping and the doctor would say, no, there's no studies that prove that that's beneficial. Well, now there's all these studies that are mm. saying it's beneficial. And now it's a standard practice in Chicago that they'll let it pulse for at least a minute. Wow. So the blood, the baby's getting tons of extra iron stores and things that it needs. Cause when it's coming out of the uterus, uterus, the blood is being pulled back in toward the placenta. So once mm. the baby comes out, all that blood comes rushing back through the cord and it's very beneficial. Yeah. So it's funny cause it, in ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, they post all of this information. So they're kind of like the leaders of the industry. Yeah. And I'm like, it's on their website. Why won't this doctor do it? Yeah. You yeah. know, but some people are kind of stuck in their ways. And so it, it doesn't hurt to ask. And that's why it's important to find a good healthcare provider that you trust and that's on board. But also know that plans don't always go the way that you want. You know, so I like to call them birth wishes, yeah. not plans, because yeah. you never know. But um, but just being educated on it. So when I was writing this research paper, my mind was just blown. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, man, we've we've been giving birth since the beginning of time. Like, how are we so behind all these other countries when it comes yeah. to maternal health care? Yeah, I actually have had like a couple other women's health experts on in terms of like reproductive health. And um, I don't know if you've heard of her, but Dr. Jolene Brighton was on Mm -hmm. and she's really big on um, like post birth control syndrome and women taking control of their fertility. And something that she said really like hit home for me, she said women's health care tends to be happening to women instead of like women being involved in their own health care. And so you would say that that's like kind of true for birth as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, and I do think that being proactive as a woman is super important because you're hearing so much more about infertility and different things that are going on. Mm -hmm. So being in tune with your body and finding out about these things, you can never know too much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with like labor and pregnancy, like you said, it's something that can look different to everyone. And it's something that like you can have your labor plan Mm -hmm. or your birth plan and you can, you can plan all you want. And as a planner, like that would be ideal if Mm -hmm. I could like lay it out exactly how I want it and tell you exactly what I want to happen. But the fact that I know that it doesn't unfold that way, that's like part of why it's so scary for me. Like there's just so much unknown. So I also think one of the problems is, or not problems, which is one of the reasons why there are a lot of women that are like me that are like really scared of the whole process is that I get a lot of my information about what it is like from like TV and movies and like social media and stuff like that. So do you feel like there are a lot of misconceptions that women have um, other than like they feel like they don't have options and what would those be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The way that Hollywood portrays birth is not accurate at all. So that's just a giant misconception. They show like a woman's water breaks and then she rests to like, I think it's only, it's not even, I think 10% of women, their water breaks first. Oh, wow. It's usually not your first sign of labor. Um, So a lot of times, I mean, you'll start contracting first or there's just, there's different signs of labor. But I think social media can be good, definitely. But a lot of people tend to share the bad more, but the bad is out there. There is a lot of different birth 
that doesn't go the right way um, or the way that you had envisioned. But one thing that a lot of people don't realize is you have to do so much work before Mm. for your birth experience to go the way that you want. So Mm. it actually starts at home and at 36 weeks, like the position that the baby is in is huge. Mm. Like your baby could get stuck. Your baby, your labor might not be progressing the way that you want it to be. And there are things that you can start at home in your third trimester that help get your body ready, get your baby ready. There's um, just so many different things to enhance your experience and also then help your recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all comes through education. Right. And I, I encourage people to take a birthing course, to take an informed pregnancy class, um, find somebody to talk to just so that you feel prepared going into it. Do the research on um, the miles circuit is big. It's um, just these little exercises that you do each day to get your uterus ready, to get your baby in place. Pelvic floor health is mm, huge. Yeah, that's what um, Now it's awesome because I'm seeing more and more doctors referring women to a pelvic floor therapist mm. um, afterwards because you do so much pelvic floor work um, pushing a baby out. Yeah. Um, and just even in pregnancy, I mean, at the end, everything's really just squished mm. <laughs> up in there. Um, but another, another misconception is, um, how traumatic it can be. It's mm. seen as an emergency yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. And it's it, most of the time it's not. Yeah. You know, although doctors, sometimes they use wording that, that seems very urgent. Yeah. Um, they're just doing their job. They're letting you know what's going on. It's like, Hey, listen, the baby's heart rate is dropping. Here's what's going on. We need to do something else. And it's like, okay, let's look at what we can do. He's still safe. He's still, you know what I mean? Yeah. If it was like, we need to take him now, then they're going to tell you that. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's doctors are definitely not ones to sugarcoat things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, they, their goal is you to be healthy and your baby to be healthy. Right. Which is our goal too. So, um, it's just, if you're more educated on the language, you're more educated on what's going on of your options being like, okay, baby's stuck. Why don't we try these different positions to see if we can get them to move? And then we'll talk about it again. Yeah. yeah. You know, just knowing that you have options in those moments mm-hmm. is, is so huge. Yeah. And empowering. Yes. But there, there are definitely are a lot of misconceptions, but that's why I'm also, again, super excited about the work that doulas are doing, the work that not even just doulas, like doctors. I talk to experts all the time. I, I had a, a labor and delivery nurse on my podcast the other day and she's awesome. Her Instagram is so educational and informational and she, her goal is to empower women through that. So yeah. when you come in, you know, it makes their job easier too when, when you're, when you kind of know what's going on as well. For sure. For sure. So yeah, I mean, it's, it is treated as trauma a lot, but, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it it can get very serious and like, yeah, it can get and there so are there traumatic are complications. But I feel like one thing that I forget a lot when I think about like, okay, well, if I decide to have kids, if I decide to like go that route, that that that's like my body supposedly no, <laughs> like hypothetically, my body should know how to do all of these things, mm-hmm. and like I'm physically equipped to do this and like that's something that I think is so so cool and so Mm -hmm. fascinating about that part of it and so would you say that like women get a new respect of like their intuition and like what their body's capable of once they become a mom absolutely well and even with you saying you know my body's equipped to do this 
Well, even if you get in the situation and it's not, thank God that we have these medical professionals who are making sure that you're healthy and safe and your baby's healthy and safe. Yeah. I, I know tons of moms who are C-section moms and they're just as proud of yeah, their experience yeah. and of their bodies. And um, sometimes that can be a hard thing to heal through. Mm. You know, I've talked to a lot of moms who are like, my, my body failed me. Yeah. And it's like, no, you grew Gosh. this amazing baby. And you made this from scratch in your yeah. body. You, you still brought this. them into the world. Like yeah. maybe you needed a little help. That's okay. You're still a badass. You know, like you you're awesome. And so mm-hmm. just owning, owning your experience and, and sometimes you need to get help or healing through that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've heard, I don't have kids of my own yet, but, <laughs> um, that it is a super empowering experience that you don't know what you're capable of until you've pushed a baby out. Yeah. You know, when you push your body to the limit and that's pushing it to the limit, you know, bringing a human into this world and it solely, depends on you for life yeah and afterwards you're still trying to survive <laughs> your baby's surviving oh you know and it's like wow like I can do anything yeah yeah I mean like you frame me like that doesn't necessarily help me feel better <laughs> about about the idea of it like I think so for reference I'm 24 so I'm still kind of at that age where like when someone who is my age like a friend or something tells me that they're pregnant like my first reaction is still kind of like oh crap what are you gonna do instead of like congratulations like like, it very well could have been on purpose (laughs) but that's still my like knee-jerk reaction um so I don't know I just think it's funny and so how can we as women like women who don't have children how can we be more supportive you think to women that are either expecting or already a mom yeah I feel like that is the balance or the struggle a lot because you hear the reverse as well. So many women who then have kids are like, how do I maintain my friendships Mm. with my friends who don't, they don't understand anymore. Yeah. You know? So I think just, just understanding that their life has changed. Yeah. It doesn't mean that like who they are at the core has, and maybe it means they're not meeting you out for a drink anymore. You might have to bring dinner over to them. Yeah. But just, being sensitive to that's a transition time and having an open and honest conversation. If it's somebody that you're close with being like, Hey, listen, I know that you just had a baby. I'm not sure how to be here for you. I'm not sure. You know, every time I ask you to hang out, you say, no, I feel like you don't want to be friends anymore. And that person's probably like, dude, I feel like my nipples are going to fall off. (laughs) I don't sleep. I would love to come out and meet up with you, but I haven't taken a shower in three days. And like, yeah, you know, if you want to help, like, come hold the baby while I nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that's not hanging out with you, but you know, it's, it's just, if you can have those open conversations with those people in your life. Um, and I'm sure some relationships will fizzle out. That just yeah, happens I mean, when you're in different phases. Of life. That's yeah. what happens when you're in different phases that does happen. But I think with people that you're really close with that, if you can just have those open conversations and then be, be understanding that, Life is pretty transitional, especially what I always tell moms when they're kind of freaking out in that first, not all of them freak out, but you know, when people are having a hard time with that adjustment is this is your first time being a mom. This is your baby's first time living outside your womb. Yeah. This is your husband or partner or wife's first time learning how to support you. Like taking on it, like, oh my gosh, we have another person in our house now that I have to provide for or that I, I have to make you guys both safe, you yeah. know? So everyone's learning. Yeah. Every, you know, it's like how your baby is crying because they are learning to survive outside of your womb. 
you are not sleeping, you're waking up to everything, you might be crying because you're learning how to like feed your child and how to um, take care of somebody else. And there's so many hormones that are involved in it. There's just a lot, a lot of transition. So mm. just like understanding it, it is a whole new learning experience and, and just having an open conversation with how can I be here for you? Or if you're not into babies being like, listen, I know you just had a baby. I'm not a baby person. I love you. I'll drop coffee by to you maybe yeah. one time, like, or, yeah. you know, whatever. Just, I think being able to have an open conversation. Yeah. I also think like, I mean, one of the biggest like remedies for disconnect is like vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. So to just be like, Hey, I don't know how to support you, but I want to. And like, that's scary for people sometimes to admit, like, I don't know how to be like a good friend to you right now or a good sister or whatever. And so I think asking the question of how can I best support you or like right. what would mean the most to you right now goes such a long way. Obviously you still have to follow through with it, but like just the fact that you are willing to ask and like be open to what someone you care about needs, I think goes a long way, not just for new moms, but anyone, right? Because we all need different things. Like we all have different love languages and different ways right. that we want to be cared for. So, mm -hmm. um, and I get, I'm getting from everything that you're saying, like mental health has to play yes. a huge role mm -hmm. in this whole process. So what, what have you like experienced with expecting your new moms, like mental health wise? Yeah. Well, um, well, postpartum depression and anxiety is huge. Yeah. Uh, and it's again, something that's so cool that there's more conversation going on. There's more help, but realizing that you're not alone if you're experiencing that. Um, and there's a difference between there, there's so much of it. That's natural. Mm -hmm. It's natural to maybe have some baby blues or have some anxiety surrounding that situation. It's not natural to have feelings of harming yourself or harming your child and recognizing that you need help mm -hmm. and that you need to talk to somebody um, and that there's so many amazing groups that you can be connected with, even just on Facebook or in person. There's new mom support groups. Um, and it's something now that women are feeling less ashamed of for getting help, mm. which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, there's also a thing called prenatal depression mm. when they're pregnant and they start to get depressed. Okay. Maybe you're realizing your whole world's changing. Maybe you weren't as ready for it as you thought. Maybe, um, just even the hormone exchanges going on in your body, um, are causing some chemical disconnects, but, um, just recognizing that first of all, tell your healthcare provider, you know, um, about the feelings that you're having, but just that you're not alone. Yeah. So there is a lot that goes into it and it could be stressful on relationships, you know, so making sure that your partner, I think those are good conversations to have with your partner before you have a kid is like, Hey, like we need to know that if, if I'm feeling like this after I have a kid, you need to understand then I'm not myself. Yeah. And that maybe we do need to see somebody or here's ways that you can, approach me or talk to me to help me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not feeling ashamed. Cause I know, you know, I've talked to my mom before that it would, she had, she had pretty good birth experiences, but I mean, once you have a kid, you're supposed to be so overjoyed and excited and yeah. you're a new mom. Isn't this awesome? And you're, you're like, right. And you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not awesome. I don't feel awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. It's okay. And that's, a lot of times very normal, mm -hmm. but 
knowing that you can get help. And there's postpartum doulas that help with that. Um, there's postpartum psychologists. There's tons of reproductive health psychologists that, that all deal with those different things depending on the severity of the situation. But, um, it's, it's nice that people are showing it. There's movements on Instagram. There's these Facebook groups and these women are saying, this is me postpartum. Yeah. This is my body. This is how I feel. This was me after I didn't shower for five days. This is my diaper. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. You're just seeing more and more women proud of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so powerful. Like on one hand, social media can be Mm -hmm. damaging, like we said, because it gives you false expectations for so many things. It's like really easy to fall into that comparison trap. But on the other hand, like if you find the right communities, there are people who are being so vulnerable, being so open and like creating true community around that instead of community around comparison, like feeling less than and having like what whatever your season or goal is like Mm -hmm. if you have like a weight loss goal and someone you know you join a community that's like a self-love weight loss community or you know a mom community or like a you rescued a dog community like whatever it is I think that social media can be super powerful but you just have to be really aware and like really on top of like what kind of information yeah absolutely and one thing that I found too is a lot of times when you decide to be vulnerable or transparent with somebody, you realize that they feel the same way. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, so you look at your mom friend who's like, oh, well, she has it all together. She doesn't seem like she's struggling. And you're like, you know what? I've been having a really hard time. And then she's like, oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. That's always like every time I bring something up on social media, I'm like, wow, people are going to think like, they're probably going to judge me for this. But like, if at least one person, you know, benefits from this and like feels less alone than then it was worth it and there'll be that'll be like my most commented on thing right. in months because right. everyone's like oh my god I thought I was alone and there are now thousands of us who yeah. are connected people in that. value transparency yeah they love it yeah because they don't want to feel alone Future Marie here. I am so glad that Liz and I got on this topic because I know that we are not alone in struggling with health and self-worth and body image. In fact, I think that this is one of the biggest roadblocks that women are facing today and it is holding us back from doing the really big important work that we are meant to do in the world. We cannot be our best selves when we are constantly feeling stuck and frustrated and unhealthy and we can't live out or maybe even identify what our purpose is is because we are using so much of our time and energy on trying to figure out how to move and nourish our bodies, how to live a balanced lifestyle, how to shine with the confidence that we all deserve to feel. Like all that stuff just weighs so heavy on us. And I fully believe that women are powerful beyond measure every single one of us, but we can't tap into it when we're not taking care of ourselves or when we're consumed by self-doubt and insecurity, right? Like maybe you can relate. I can definitely relate to that. And I think it's such a common a common struggle that we all face and that's exactly why I created my group mentorship program the move nourish shine collective where we spend eight weeks together creating a healthy lifestyle refining and reaching your goals building a strong confident mindset and growing this incredible community of like-minded women who all want to tap into their full potential just like you it's truly a -a one-of-a-kind program and I'm so excited to be opening the doors for our summer collective in just a few 
short weeks. Our waitlist will be getting first dibs on the spots plus some amazing bonuses. So make sure that you are on that list and ready to join us as soon as enrollment opens. You can join the waitlist and learn more about MNS on our website, which is movenourishshine.com. Again, that is movenourishshine.com and you can click any of the big teal buttons to become a part of the waitlist. And I think now, I don't know, I think women especially are allowed to be a lot more allowed. I say that in air quotes, like (laughs) it's accepted for women to be a lot more transparent now than ever before, considering like, I don't know if you just look back at the roles of women over the times, like I really know from the American perspective of like the homemaker mom who like has to have everything perfect Mm -hmm. and is expected to like do all of her roles and like do them happily and, you know, like be a perfect mom and be perfect everything. And I think that's really changing and like the mask of perfection is like, Mm -hmm. we're allowing it to come down, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You do see those roles change and it it is nice. It's not that I think that there's also a difference. Like I know a lot of mom friends who might be in a season of struggling, but it doesn't mean that they aren't grateful. Because you see that too. I see a lot of mom shaming Mm. and, and a lot of women take it so personally because they're like, this is my human that I created. This came out of my body. This is whatever. And now you're saying like, oh, is she walking yet? And you're like, no, (laughs) you know, and, and people take the fence to that. So it's like also learning like that you can't take everything personally. Like people are sometimes asking out of curiosity or they're not trying to compare your children or downplay your experience, Yeah, you know, but, but being able to, I don't know, sometimes things can come off as complaining too when you're going through that. But I know a lot of women who are like, yeah, my life sucks right now, but I'm so grateful for everything that I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, it's not like, I think it can be perceived as complaining only from people who can't relate. You know what I mean? Exactly. For the people who can relate, it's so powerful. And that Mm -hmm. was such a great thing for you to be honest about. And so, I mean, it's like, I can't relate to the mom thing, but if I talk about like how sometimes it's really hard to like talk about or just be available to be judged by thousands of people on the internet and they're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but you have the coolest job ever. And I'm like, I didn't say I didn't have a cool job. Like that's not what this is about, but there are pros and cons to anything, you know? And that's just like, that's a human experience is no one has it perfect and no one has no problems and no like season of life is without its difficulties. Mm -hmm. And so if we can be honest about that, then it goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So you mentioned in your Mother's Day episode on Miraculous Mamas that you are possibly trying to conceive soon, which Mm -hmm. is really exciting. And you talked about like parental advice, birth, all of that stuff. Um, And so with your career and like being around moms so much, what are you most looking forward to? What are you like most excited about? Are you scared about anything? Um, Yeah, well... I honestly am looking forward to not using protection anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. It just, you know, sometimes you're not in the mood, but, um, to be like, Oh, well let's get a condom. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what my body can do Mm. and what we can create and what, I don't know what our experience is going to be. You know, I don't know if we're even able to have kids. So just being open to being like, okay, what, what is our journey going to be like and seeing how we grow through it. Mm -hmm. I think becoming a parent 
is terrifying a little yeah. bit because it's like, I can handle you until you start like running around. Cause I just feel like sometimes, you know, when we were kids, it was, you'd run around the town and yeah. then when the lights turned on, cause it started to get dark, you came home. Yeah. And it's like, now I can't just be like, okay, see you kids. Yep. Yeah. Can you just know? like let your kids roam free range. For- so it's like, how do I allow my kids to experience life and have some freedom and not be a total helicopter mom and yeah. overprotective. Yeah. I think that that's kind of what scares me is cause I'm going to want to just be like overprotective and, and you can't, mm-hmm. you definitely have to be protective and educate your kids and, and be, make smart decisions. But it's like, when, where are those lines at? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's so interesting hearing like my parents' stories, you know, and you, you think about them, you're like, oh my God, you like, you never would have let me do that. And now like our stories probably would be the same for like the next generation. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Like it sure. just, so like at what point does everyone just start wrapping their kids in bubble wrap? <laughs> like, right. like where do we draw the line? Right. I think that we were only in car seats like as infants and then we had like a tiny booster seat. Now kids are in car seats till they're like six, yeah, seven, yeah. you know? And it's like, we just were thrown in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> like, good luck. Right. <laughs> Hope for the best. Mm-hmm. So I just think finding that balance will be really interesting and kind of scary, but yeah, but I'm excited. I mean, our goal this year, my husband and I is, is to get as healthy as we can. And mm-hmm. I've had some gut issues and some health issues that I'm working through and we're just trying to, that's why I've signed up for a half marathon, which is challenging, but yeah, yeah I'm not going for time. I'm just going for, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and to chat, like see how far you can push yourself. I right. feel like it's kind of like a pre it's not at all the same thing, but it's like kind of a preview because if you are someone who knows that you're able to like push yourself because right. I feel like running especially is so mental totally so mental so if you can like push yourself to run a half marathon like that probably will give you so much confidence going into right. that new season because you're like I could make myself run like 13 miles or whatever yeah and like you never maybe thought that that was possible mm-hmm. for yourself and so I think pushing yourself past your perceived limits is such a confidence boost. Yeah. And following through with something that you committed to as well. Yes, which I struggle with. So it's exciting that I'm actually doing it. (laughs) I think the only other like kind of scary thing is I've been so fortunate to have so much freedom in my life. Mm -hmm. I've worked hard to be able to like travel and do a lot of things. So then, you know, my husband and I are planning one more big trip before we start trying, but it's like, we can't just do whatever we want anymore, you know? Yeah. There's like a new, a new element to everything. Everyone says it's worth it. I'm sure. Yeah. And I, and I think it will be, it'll just be, you know, a lot different planning and I'm not a huge planner. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, when you're on this side, sans children, like Mm -hmm. it's so hard to imagine that. And it's so hard to imagine that being like, not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like when you value your independence and your freedom so much, it's hard to imagine that is not, a, a, a con but right. like when you hear from parents like no we love traveling with our kids and like it's worth every second mm-hmm. it's kind of like when my friends are like oh I really want to get a dog but like I don't know if I can commit and I'm like well obviously make sure you can take care of them but like you're never gonna feel ready it's the best thing ever like dogs are the best you'll never regret it like yeah I feel like I say the same thing about my dog which is a much smaller scale but it's, it's similar where but it's Rosie's like, awesome. So. I mean, Rosie Her is paws awesome. on my foot right now and I'm loving it. <laughs> she's the most clingy, like she's curled up oh. and just, yeah, she's the most clingy little dog ever. Okay. I have this also irrational fear as long as we're just like being vulnerable. I have this irrational fear that I'm like not going to like my kid. Okay. 
that I like won't like their personality or that like I think they'll be annoying or something and I've actually brought that up to my therapist and she's like just because you haven't liked other people's kids like other people's kids turned out the way they turned out because of like for a reason you know what I mean so like the way you raise your kids you get to mold them into like whatever kind of human you want and that's the cool part and I was like I I guess but that's also a lot of pressure right but it also doesn't mean that they're not going to be a-holes sometimes because they they might be yeah you know and I think that one thing that I've learned from watching my sister parent she has four kids and two of her girls have very, very different personalities. Mm -hmm. And my sister and I growing up had very, very different personalities. So she's called me before and been like, I need your help because I don't know how to relate with Brooklyn Mm. because her daughter Brooklyn's like me. Yeah, And she's like, what can I do to relate to her? Like they just, they they love each other obviously, but they just don't get each other. Yeah. So she's called me before and I'm like, well, why don't you try this or this? Or this is probably more of her love language. Like, you know, she she's very much more like me than like my sister. So I think just also being open that your kids are going to be annoying sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. They're yeah. But like your therapist said, you definitely do get to mold them, but then you also get to mold yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get to learn how, how can I grow to be the best parent I can for this kid who is nothing like me Mm. or that I have nothing Mm -hmm. in common with. Yeah. How yeah, can like I still it's your teach job them? to give them all the tools to like be their best human. Right. But it's not up to you to decide like what that means for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. There's so much mm. to think about. <laughs> you have time. <laughs> like, I'm I'm still I'm not there yet. I'm not saying it's a no, but yeah. um I feel like there are a lot of people that are in the same place as me where either either they've decided that they're a no and they're a strong no and like people will be like, Oh, well, just wait until you're a little older and they're like, But I'm a no and they probably get really annoyed and people um, like push them or people like me who just don't know. Um, do you have any advice that you can give to our listeners who get questions of like, when are you going to get married or do you want kids or when are you having kids or just like kind of fielding those during this period of your life where like as a woman, people expect you to be like settling right, down, having kids, right. doing everything the traditional way, which you didn't necessarily do mm-hmm. either. So, right. Um, I think that well, two things going back to not taking things personally. Sometimes people just are trying to make conversation true and that's yeah. what's expected. So like, yeah. so when are you going to get married? And you know, it's, you know, you can be like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's kind of fun to say something awkward to make them feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like I, I interviewed this lady who had triplets and they were like, Oh, are they, um, what did they say? Oh, are, oh, did you have them naturally? And she's like, well, they're not aliens. Like, you know, like people just ask like weird questions without yeah. thinking. Yeah. So I would say, first of all, if you're just trying to make conversation, genuinely get to know that person. Don't just be g- the generic questions. Yeah. You know, or if you don't, don't just feel like you have to make conversation, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's different if it comes up organically. Right. You know, if you're having a heart to heart with somebody and you're, you're talking about, they're asking about your relationship and be like, Oh, are you in a relationship? Yeah. Oh, did, do you want to get married one day? Or are you open to dating? Or, you know, maybe if it comes up organically in, in a deeper conversation, that's one thing. But when people are just like, Oh, when are you going to have kids? Or when are, you know, I went out a month ago and I wasn't drinking and everyone's like, Oh, Liz is probably pregnant. And I'm like, no, I, I didn't feel like drinking tonight. 
Yeah. Like now everyone's on eggshells waiting to see like, is she drinking? Is she pregnant? Yeah. And I'm like, no, we're not trying yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, I've just learned to be like, whatever, you can entertain yourself <laughs> trying to guess, you know, but yeah, I think just maybe not asking those questions if you're just trying to make conversation. And then if you're on the other side, just realizing it's not personal. People are just trying to make, you know, yeah. And if you want to make a smart ass comment back, it's kind of fun. That's like your prerogative. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the biggest one that like probably gets people and I don't really deal with this a lot, but I know some people it really bothers them when like, it's like their grandma or like mm. their nosy aunt right, or right. like someone who's like a pusher, you know? And so I think it's just probably reclaiming like your authority over your own life and being right. like there, it, it matters what I want, not what like aunt Susan wants or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's about me. And also understanding that like their generation looked at like how the course of life was supposed to unfold so much differently than we do too. Yeah, absolutely. I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm the youngest in my family. So my parents kind of gave up on me, you know, mm -hmm. I think when I was younger, I got it more, but then in my like late twenties, early thirties, it's like nobody really asked. Yeah. That's Even funny. when I met my husband, like people weren't like, Oh, is he the one? Are you going to marry him? Yeah. You know, whereas in a relationship in my early 20s, I got asked that all the That's time. That's so interesting. You know, I think as I got older, because people are like, Liz just does whatever she yeah. wants. <laughs> You're respected as the free spirit now. Yeah. yeah. And I, even with grandkids, like my husband and I are both the youngest and all of our older siblings have kids and they're done having kids. Oh, okay. So there's less pressure on us. Yeah. You know, I mean, they definitely want more grandkids, but you know, it's, it's also, it, it can be such a sensitive question too, because what if you're asking somebody, Oh, when are you going to have kids? And, and they can't, right. They can't. Yeah. What if they've been trying and they've had a miscarriage mm -hmm. and they, you know, it's sometimes it's just really insensitive. Yeah. It's kind of like asking someone if they lost weight, you know what I mean? Yes. Like you usually it's like a good intention because mm -hmm. most people assume like, Oh, if you lost weight, like you tried to do it or that it's a good thing, but like, you don't know, like maybe they are going through a hard time and like have no appetite and like they feel terrible or maybe they're dealing with an eating disorder or maybe, um, yeah. like they they still don't feel confident about themselves and like, they're not perceiving that as a positive, mm -hmm. or, like you're fueling something negatively. Like you just don't know the background. So right. I feel like it's kind of a similar thing where unless you know the background, like you probably should just leave it <laughs> unless they right. bring it up. Yeah. I remember a lot of people, um, after a breakup, I had lost a lot of weight mm -hmm. and, um, I had run into my ex and he said, damn, you look so good. How come you don't like look like this when we were together? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, you have no idea. Oh, you know, like yeah. I, that was when I was m my most unhealthy. I yeah. wasn't eating. I was drinking a lot. I was throwing everything up. It's like, I was unhealthy. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is, and it's like, people don't realize, yeah, when you're on that journey, like I had so many comments that burned in my mind when I was dealing with that, mm -hmm. you know, even if I gained weight, people are like, oh, you, you look a little fuller or you, even if it's good intentions, like, oh, you look really healthy. And in my mind, I was like, I don't want to look healthy. I want to look skinny. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it, you, it is, there's so many questions that are super sensitive. So yeah. I think just being aware, why are you asking? Yeah you know, or what are you asking? Or if you're complimenting, there's so many other things you can compliment besides somebody's weight. Yes, absolutely. You can say <laughs> like, wow, like you have so much energy or like you seem so happy mm -hmm. or like there are so many other ways to compliment someone either by like yeah, you seem their so attitude happy or their character or their work ethic. Like there's so yeah. many other ways to compliment people than that. And there's so many other ways to make conversation than asking someone like when they're having kids. Right. So I think 
like shift the focus to the human as a human <laughs> instead of the human as the shell or the human as like their role, you know? Right. Well, cause also once you have kids, people never ask about you. Mm. How are the kids? Mm. Yeah. That's you so know? true. You, you have a baby and people are like, Oh my gosh, how's the baby doing? Yeah. Like people also need to start asking like the mom, how are you doing? Yeah. How are you recovering? Yeah. How are you holding up? Like you're still a whole human outside of your role as a right. mom. Like so you're it's still... like when you don't have kids, people are like, when are you having kids? And then you have kids and they're like, how are the kids? Yeah. It's like about kids when it's you don't even have kids, you. <laughs> you know? So I think just, yeah, showing genuine interest and having a genuine conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I feel like that might also play into like the human propensity to always be focusing on what's next mm-hmm. instead of like yeah, what's absolutely. now. Yeah. So what would you say is one of the biggest like lessons and like just life nuggets of wisdom that you've learned from a traveling so much and b being a doula um I would say from traveling so much man so I guess it's kind of a paradox but like from experiencing other cultures and seeing so many things you learn that you your problems are nothing Mm. Mm mm-hmm and I, I understand like mental health, but then again, mental health and being in a place where you can learn to love yourself is so good because then you can give so much more mm-hmm. and, and truly experience life. Yeah. But then it's like, do you think that kids who don't have clean water and who have to walk miles to get it are really worried about how many likes they got on a photo? Right. Do you think they're worried about putting on an extra few pounds? Do you think that they're worried about, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like that guy that didn't call you back. Like your problems are nothing. Yeah. It gives you so much perspective. Right. You realize how small you are in Mm -hmm. the world and that you're going to be gone like that. Yeah. You're going to be gone in an instant. So what is that impact that you want to leave? Yeah. Are you going to be somebody who shows up and loves or somebody who shows up and judges? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, I'm here. What can I do? I love that. And I think that that's something that every place that I went, you know, when I was traveling and even dealing with my eating disorder, that's why I thought it was so stupid. Yeah. I'm like, how am I in this place dealing with something that doesn't even matter when, but I mean, it did matter because right. I had to heal myself in order to give more of myself. Right. But it's, it's such a, like I said, it's like two opposing truths that are equally true, mm-hmm. but that's why you just have to have faith to believe that, you know, we are nothing, but yet we are, we can make the biggest difference. Yeah. So, and then I think through, being a doula, I feel like the biggest thing that, that I have learned is, is kind of like what we were just saying, just asking moms and pregnant women, like, how are you doing? How can I help you? How can I empower you through this experience? Mm -hmm. Because their life has been so focused on getting pregnant or having a kid or once they have kids. And it's like a lot of times moms get put on the back burner. Mm -hmm. So being like, how, how can I love on you? Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, going back to even friendships being like, Hey, I know you're in a weird place in your life, you know, just being sensitive to that, that, that it's a whole new world sometimes. And your body's doing really crazy things and just being able to even just show up and ask someone, if you don't know how to help, how can I help? And maybe they're going to say like nothing, be like, okay, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Yeah. That goes such a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this has been so full of like so many different topics, but <laughs> I, I definitely learned a lot. I hope our listeners learned a yeah, lot, but if they want to connect with you further, yeah. where can they find you? Yeah. Um, 
I, my Instagram, ooh, it's E Sandoz. <laughs> I forgot it for a second. E Sandoz, S-A-N-D-O-Z. Um, I have a website where I have a virtual doula course. So cool. people who maybe can't afford a doula, but still want to learn more, they want to take a birthing course. It's online at elizabethjoy.co, not com. And then I have my podcast called Miraculous Mamas, where we bring on experts, um, just women sharing birth stories. We talk about a lot of different stuff. Um, Marie's going to come on too and talk about self-love and transformational coaching. So I'm super excited about that. So you can reach me through my email on my website, on my Instagram. I usually reply to everyone. So yeah, if you have any questions, holla at your girl. Perfect. Well, guys, if this episode was helpful to you in any way, we would love if you took a screenshot and posted it on your Instagram story and tagged us and let us know just what your takeaway was, what you got out of this. We absolutely love to see those from you. And of course, send Liz some love. Tell her thank you for coming on the show and we will talk to you next time. Thank you guys so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm so happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it. And please leave the show or view on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. It would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women to become their very best selves and create more content that you're going to love. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind and be grateful, my friends.